0: Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program, where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Marnie Kinris. She is the author of the book, Get Inside Her, Dirty Dating Tips and Secrets from a Woman on how to attract, seduce, and get any female you want. She is the founder of The Method.com and has been featured on MTV The Dr. Drew Show, Fox News, and Men's Health. Marnie, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got into what you do and exactly what it is that you do?
1: Um, Yeah, Uh, okay, so how I got into what I do. I I totally got into it by accident. The truth is is that I've been a wing girl uh, for my friends forever. I've been helping them get girls, helping them understand girls, explaining women to them, introducing them to women and overall helping them be better with women again for my entire life but when i moved out to los angeles i randomly went to a singles mixer at a rabbi's house with one of my best friends who was just newly single and i actually just started dating my now husband a month earlier so i was just window shopping just in case um and we went to this singles mixer and nobody was talking to each other like literally The room was separated where it was boys on one side and girls on the other side. So I started grabbing men and I started pulling them over to women, being their icebreaker, telling them what to say, what not to say, uh, untuck your shirt, tuck in your shirt, do this, do that. And by the end of the night, people were interacting with each other. They were making out with each other. They were exchanging phone numbers. So I went home and I, you know, was a little bit, tipsy from, you know, the buzz of the evening and then also the open bar. And I said to my roommate, who was a guy and an entrepreneur, and I said, you know what? I love what I did tonight. I would love to be a wing girl. And that term had never been used before. And he said to me, okay, what does that entail? And I said, well, I'll help guys meet girls, I'll break the ice for them and I'll tell them everything that women are thinking, what they want, what they don't want, what turns them on, what turns them off. And he said to me, he's like, guys don't care about what women think. They just want to get girls. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if that's true. So I marched into my bedroom like 1.30 in the morning. I put an ad on Craigslist saying what better way to attract bees than with honey. Let me do all the dirty work for you. I'll be your wing girl. And by the next morning I had over 75 responses. So from there I just started. So initially it was me and one other wing girl would go out with a guy and pick up women for men. And that worked out really well. But then I had way too high of a demand for it from guys from all over the country. So I transferred into what I do now, which is the wing girl method. And that's providing uh, advice, guidance and direction to men all over the world on how to attract, date, seduce and get the women they want. So it's got, you know, I've got tons of resources, programs, at home programs that you, you can do yourself because the truth is, is that if you need a woman to be with Women, then you're not really much of a man. So I teach, I teach men how to be the men that they've always wanted to be. I know that's a long-winded answer, but that's how I started and that's how I'm, I'm here today, 10 years later.
0: What are some of the most common mistakes that men make when they approach women?
1: Well, the biggest mistake that I notice is that men don't actually approach the women they want; they approach the women that they can get, because it's a lot easier to approach a woman that doesn't intimidate you, that maybe isn't as pretty as you'd like her to be, that doesn't make you feel nervous and and possibly have feelings of, oh, I'm going to be rejected by this girl. So a lot of men go after what they can get as opposed to what they want, which leaves them feeling, you know, a little bit emasculated, uh, disappointed and down on themselves so what i do is i teach them to go after who they want and what they want so that they can actually end up with who they want and what they want and feel like the masculine men that they should be
0: you talk about help me eyes as a main sign that a girl isn't into a guy can you first explain kind of what that means
1: yeah oh my god the help me eyes so i've been doing this forever and i didn't realize that it was a thing that guys never noticed so women um are very subtle right everything about them is subtle the way they flirt that's why it's so difficult for men to read what it is that they want and what they're trying to say because everything we do is very subtle the reason it's subtle is there's whole like you know evolutionary reasons for it but you know back in the cave women would have to learn to read subtleties and they would also have to learn how to express subtleties so that they can protect their cave now how it's used these subtleties like the help me eyes are to protect themselves in the in the world so if I'm out, for example, and I am with my female friends and I'm talking to this guy that I don't really want to be talking to, I will give the help me eyes to one of my friends or even like some strange woman, if I can't even find any of my friends, like stranger one. And it's like a little tiny movement in the eyes. It's like a forced I'm doing it right now but as if you can see it, but it's like a forced eye movement where it's lasering in on another woman and it signals to them that I need assistance and want to break away from talking to this guy. And literally she can feel me doing it, even if her, if she's not fully paying attention to me, but as soon as she does, if she's a good girl, she will come over and help me get away from this guy and make an excuse like, oh my God, this guy's being so mean to me, or I have to go, or our house is burnt down, whatever it is. And she will come swoop in, save me and pull me away from talking to this guy. So a lot of guys think that, oh great, this bitch totally cock blocked me. But what really happened was this girl wasn't into you in the first place. You're possibly creeping her out, boring her, or um, she just wasn't into you anymore. So she wanted to get away. So that is the help me eyes. And I have a video of it on my site winggirlmethod.com. If you go to the free advice section, there's a video of the help me eyes. So you can actually see me doing it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny when you talk about kind of this idea of help me eyes, because I I know that's true, but there's another element there and, and maybe you can talk about it. Oftentimes if there's a judgmental friend in the group, uh, or a judgmental person in the group, the person will look to that person not to be helped, but for guidance on what they should do next. Do you know, are, are you aware of what I'm talking um, about?
1: Yeah. I don't know if it's always the judgmental person, but it's typically always the leader That's as leader. well. Yeah. 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 So I, I wouldn't say that it's always judgment. It's somebody whose opinion you value or trust. Correct. So you look to them to sort of see how you should be thinking and acting.
0: Yeah. It's it's something that's really interesting. I don't think a lot of people realize that when women are making this eye contact to each other, that that's what they're doing in some situations, they're asking for help. Other situations they're asking for guidance. And I agree with you. I don't think judgment isn't always the correct word, but whoever is in the position of power, whoever the leader is, is in a position of judgment. And, uh, and so I think that's a, it's something that people just don't really talk about, but I've observed. For sure.
1: Everything that women do is very subtle, right? So like, like, if there's a group of three women and a one guy, we can be having a whole internal language through subtleties of our body language, of our voice tonality, and you know, of our of our facial gestures that you may not be able to pick up on.
0: It's funny because uh, people always say that guys are they are oblivious, but the reality is, it's a it's just a skill set that you pick up. and And I would say, even like when my interactions, there's very seldom do I find. I can't remember the last time I met a woman where I thought, felt like she had a higher level of kind of emotional intelligence than I do. And um, and it's not like a, this is not an arrogant thing. It's just the reality that like uh, it's a skill set that you build up. And as you said, uh, you kind of said in the last kind of last remarks, it's something that people can absolutely develop. So guys out there who yeah. kind of get stuck in their head, get nervous, it's something that they could kind of they definitely can can learn to to become aware of.
1: Exactly. Well, anytime that you're stuck in your head, that it means you're not observing the world around you, right? So if I'm totally fixated on me, my actions, and I'm thinking in my head, oh my God, I'm going to do it wrong, or I'm screwing up, or what am I saying, or what do I say next? How am I ever going to take a moment to be able to focus on the world around me? So if you can start focusing on others around you and watching their body language and their body movements just at first for practice you can still be nervous and scared and a little bit in your head but what it does it is it really helps you understand what's going on around you and gets you outside of your head so that you can at least be perceived as somebody who's a little bit more calm than you typically are
0: no this is good for a guy who's trying to recover from the help me eyes is there anything that he can do uh, whether it's
1: approach later in the night, whether it's something you can do in the situation. Um, yeah, you can call it out you can just say, I see what's happening here. Okay. So you did the help me eyes to me where, and then you take a step back and you go, all right, let's start over again, ladies. You can just start, start teasing them about it. You can challenge them about it. You can say, all right, let's, let's see if I can actually pick up on this. You go talk to that guy. And do the help me eyes and I'll, I'll tell you when I see it. And like you can turn it into a complete game because then you're saying, I get you, I understand you, I saw the subtlety and even called out, which is pretty cool of you to do rather than like curling up into a ball and cry in the corner like a lot of men do because they've been shot down.
0: Yeah, that's a great suggestion. Uh, how, how can guys improve their body language to appear more attractive and more confident?
1: Well, there's this video that I love and it's of this woman named Amy Cuddy who gave a great TED doc. Ted talk on, um, how it's basically, it's like how to get confidence quickly. Uh, and what she found out through a study or several studies was that there's a really quick body language movement that you can do for two minutes that actually switches up your hormones. It increases your testosterone levels and decreases your cortisol levels in your body just by doing the, um, I'm doing it right now and you obviously can't see. It's the, it's the Wonder Woman pose, if you can picture Wonder Woman with your your chest opened up, your arms by your side. It's really just having open body language. Uh, and, and that's what can give you confidence really quickly and have you appear to be more open. So I think anytime that you have open, not with your chest, you know, perked up like a peacock cause that looks too aggressive. Um, but just open body language in general is super attractive, super sexy, and it signals to others that you are confident and comfortable in yourself. The, the negatives to body language or the not to do body language is slouched over, no eye contact, looking at the ground, uh, arms crossed in front of you. Anything that stops you from looking open, Uh, is going to be perceived as negative body language or as low confidence body language. So anything that's opposite to that uh, is perceived as high value, high confidence body language.
0: How about when a guy approaches uh, a woman for the, the first time, how should he approach her differently when she's by herself versus when she's in a group?
1: Well, the thing is, is that when you're approaching a group, you can't ignore the group that's there. And like you were saying before, how there is sort of always a leader who provides the approval for the group. It's kind of the same thing when, you know, you're approaching a group of women, you don't know who the leader is. So what you want to do is you want to approach the group and make them all feel special, entertained, entertained, and at least equal from the very beginning. And then once you've kind of won over that group at least a little bit and shown them, okay, I'm a cool guy, I'm not gonna hurt you, I'm not gonna rape you, and I see you all as beautiful, and equal, then you can start signaling, singling out the woman that you do want to attract. But if you go straight in and you ignore other women, then they're just going to block you continuously either because they're going to feel insecure because they haven't been singled out or because they're going to feel protected because they don't know who you are and you're talking to their friend. So there's either, you know, uh, some insecurity, some jealousy or some protection going on. So you always want to enjoy it. I can't speak today. It's 9 a.m. on a Monday. I can't speak. You want to uh, engage the entire group first and then single out the one that you want to talk to.
0: How about when there's a guy in the group? Any suggestions? Because I know a lot of guys who listen to this, they see a woman, she's with a man, and the first thing they assume that it's her boyfriend or husband or long-term boyfriend, or it's some overprotective brother who's going to punch him in the face. And, and most of the time, it's not any of those, um, especially when you're out in a bar or a club or in the single scene.
1: It's, it's the same thing. It's, it's befriending that other guy that is there. You know, you don't want to completely ignore him or, Try and say, "Okay, I'm moving in on your territory." You know, men are very territorial, so you don't want to uh, ignore that man that is there. So again, it's a, you, you approach the entire group. Can
0: you give us a few specific examples of things that uh, guys could say to engage another guy that would make the interaction go a little bit more smoothly?
1: Yeah, you can poke a joke, like "God, like these women are just are just like man eaters, aren't they?" Or um, you can something that like lets you team up with this guy. So depending on what his body language looks like, if he looks like the friend guy, then you can say something like, um, oh my God, my brain is not working this morning, but you can just say something that like teams you up with him where you're saying, God, the like not putting the women down, but sort of teasing the women in a certain way that says like they're, they're being pushy or they're in full control or something that sort of lifts Elevates his level of confidence that you recognize that he's awesome as well And he's pretty cool or that he should be with one of these girls something that makes him feel special If he's sort of like the alpha male Then you do kind of want to tease him a little bit to show him that you can banter with him as well Um, and Then if you can tease the other women with him, that will help him befriend you a lot faster.
0: Those are great points. I think about one specific story where, I, uh, one specific situation I had where I was in, uh, in this place called Provocateur in New York City. And for those who don't know, Provocateur is like kind of part of the elite New York club scene. You walk in there and it's a bunch of five foot 11 runway models. And uh, I remember I'd walked in and some guy walked up to me and he looks, he goes, you look like you're the man in this place. And then uh, introduced himself, but he started by the interaction with a compliment. And it was hard for me in a social environment to be mean to a guy who starts off complimenting me. Right. And um, exactly. And so that's a perfect, perfectly exemplifies. I think uh, the idea that you're, you're trying to communicate or you are communicating. Would you agree with that?
1: Yes, of course. See, thank you for saving me. (laughs) Nine am in the morning. I can't think of a single sentence. No, but that's perfect because you're saying you're like, listen, I acknowledge that you're a cool guy, you're awesome, and you're the man in this place. That's who I see you as. And it's it's totally true. It's hard to battle with somebody or compete with somebody who gives you that compliment right away. It's not like a suck-up compliment. It's just a statement that you're making from a positive and confident position saying, like, that's what I see. I see you as being the man of this place. You're surrounded by hot women. No guy is going to turn that compliment down.
0: I agree with you. And the other kind of point you said about bantering with the alpha, this is so such an important idea because what it communicates is that you're on the same level as him because exactly. and generally general we don't we don't tease uh or give a hard time to people that we feel are so far above us that they're a threat um exactly. and we don't do it to people who are so far below us that or we are perceived to be so far below us that um it would be uh mean for example you wouldn't hopefully wouldn't tease somebody or give somebody a hard time who has disabilities and you wouldn't give somebody a hard time who you thought was going to fire you or punch you in the head. So, yeah. so by, uh, communicate, by teasing bantering with somebody, uh, who looks like they're kind of a cool guy, looks like the leader, you're establishing that you're on the same page with them, uh, without, uh, in the same ways that the way that you might do it with your close friends is it, that's, that's what you're talking about, right? Exactly. Okay, cool. So thought I would kind of throw a couple of those, those things and to clarify uh, these ideas, because I think they're excellent ones. Uh, I I want to talk a little bit about kind of style. What are some common mistakes guys make in regards to their style?
1: Well, the thing is that I believe is that your style is your style right? So if you're going to wear it, you have to own it. There's certain things that I like that other people don't like. And there's on the flip side, there's things that, you know, people don't like that I like. So I have to own whatever it is that I wear and that I do. One common mistake that I do see a lot of men making is they dress either too young or too old for their age. Uh, and both of those things come from lack of confidence, right? So either they're dressing too old because they're not comfortable wearing things that are sort of modern or sort of cool for that moment in time. Could you give so me a they, couple examples? I have a, I have a lot of guys that I work with who um, who look like they're 55 years old, but they're 35. So they're typically wearing like Uh, pants that are pulled up above their belly buttons, uh, shirts that are about two sizes too big and not fitted properly, so they haven't gone to a tailor or they haven't shopped for things that are properly in their size. Uh, They have haircuts that are from like 1974 that aren't cool now because it's not like super hipstery. It's like really them having a horrible haircut and not trying to have a horrible haircut. Um, so there, there's the guys who dress like that who are like 20 years older, and I think because they don't feel confident enough or they don't have the the know-with-all to dress a little bit younger. Um, on the flip side, there's a lot of guys who are like 50 who try and dress like they're 24 years old. So they'll wear those you know shirts with dragons on them or like studs on the back of their pockets or like their pants below their their bum. Um, just Just things that are like way way too young for them to be wearing where they're, you can tell that they're trying to like, okay, how do I look really young so that I can appeal, appeal to younger women? There's there's a, a better, more sophisticated way to be dressing. And like style is not my specialty at all. I have a stylist that I work with named Goldie who is absolutely fantastic. Like she takes guys that look like Bill Gates and she turns them into Abercrombie models. Like literally she makes them look that good and super stylish. And the thing is, is that what she does is she, finds out who a person is and then dresses them based on their personality and who they are and what they want to express so that people learn how to um, use style as another form of communication because it is a whole other part of you and it's the first thing that people see about you. So if you dress like a slob, people are going to perceive you like a slob. If you dress like super stylish and smart, then people are going to perceive you as super stylish and smart. And again, it's, it's another extension of your personality. And in fact, some style for some people is a portion of their personality it's it's something that can speak volumes as to who you are and what you represent you know coupled with you yourself and your personality
0: that's good what what is um is goldie who, who is goldie goldie is, you said you're, you're a stylist
1: yeah so she's the stylist on on uh at the wing girl method so she lives in new york but she works with you know, my clients that live all around the world. So people can ask me general questions like, do you like how this looks? And I can say yes or no. But again, style is not my specialty at all. Um, I send them over to Goldie. She has a consult with them and just says like, yeah, this is not working for you. And she looks through their, their wardrobe. She has them try on clothes and she tells them, yeah, you're nay, throw that out, keep that. Or she takes them out, uh, virtually by buying stuff online. Or she takes them out in person in New York. If they fly to New York and they go shopping and they get a whole new wardrobe with her.
0: Awesome. Um, sounds, sounds incredible.
1: Oh, it's uh, She's wonderful. She's done it for me too. So it's, yeah, she's fantastic. Like she, the thing is she sees, she sees who everybody is so that no, not everybody's wearing the same outfit.
0: Dating coach Chris Lona here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchrisma.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious and I know that you are about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma Live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. Talk talked a lot about approaching and obviously there's a, a dating element that is really important here, but how can learning to approach women or just approaching people in general, help guys to cultivate a more interesting social life?
1: Well, I think you just answered that question within the the question. The thing is, okay, I'll give you my, my background. So for me, I used to be really shy, really anxious, really uncomfortable, okay, which kept me indoors, not really socializing with anybody, not opening my mouth up. Um, to speak to other individuals, which cut me off from all possible opportunities, either new friendships, uh, new work colleagues, new anything, anything that could possibly lead to something fun, interesting, or even negative that I can learn from, experiences. That's what I was cutting myself off from, from living in my head, being shy, uh, and having complete approach anxiety. So I had a stroke when I was 20 years old. And after I recovered from that stroke, I said to myself that I am not going to live how I was living before because how I was living before is actually what caused my stroke stroke because all of the stress that I was putting onto myself. Um, and I really wanted to live like the person I saw myself being outgoing, funny. I knew I could be that person. I was just holding back on myself. So I gave myself every exercise that I have within the wing girl method in the section for building your confidence. That's what I gave to myself. That's why I know that it works. Uh, and that's why I was able to overcome being shy or uh, not expressing myself, being decisive, having an opinion. And once I was able to do all of those things, speak my mind, speak up for myself, not be intimidated by other people, um, show value to other individuals. That's when opportunities came my way whether it was opportunities with men or opportunities with women or opportunities for friends or opportunities for work opportunities only come if you open your mouth and ask for them and show that you're actually somebody that's participating in society. If not, things are going to pass by you at every single day. If I walk around the world with my head down, How am I going to see what's around me for me to participate in and for, you know, I'm going to lose out on so many things happening in my life. So, um, that's the answer to your question is that if you start working on all of these skills it not only helps you with women, it helps you in every area of your life because it builds your confidence, uh, it opens your eyes and al- it allows you to be seen by other people.
0: That's good. You talked about your transition and I think that's, I mean, that's amazing. That's an incredible accomplishment. And there's a lot of people who are listening to this who are trying to kind of do something very similar. They're at a place now there's a place that they want to be and they're trying to get to. You talked about some different exercises. What were some of the specific things that you did that allowed you to, to have the growth that you were uh, inevitably able to have? Well,
1: Okay. Well, before I tell you about my first exercise that I did, I just want to mention one thing. So for a lot of people, when they think about, okay, I want to become a master piano player, right? They sit down at the piano and they, they try and play and they're not a master piano player. So because they're seeing it as, okay, I want to be here, but I'm only here right now. It becomes extremely overwhelming because they think to themselves, how am I going to be a master piano player if I cannot even play happy birthday right now? So they quit. It's easy to just throw that idea out the window because it seems impossible. And so what I have done in my entire life um, and what I suggest for people to do is to break things down into baby steps or let's call them little steps for right now so that you can go through each little step and then those things you can actually achieve and overcome rather than aiming for the I'm going to be a master at X, Y, and Z. So the first thing that I did um, to overcome my fear of approaching anxiety and my shyness was I was actually in New Zealand and I gave myself the assignment in Auckland, New Zealand to go and approach 10 people and say hi. And for me, That used to be the scariest thing in the world to do. I know for a lot of people it is. Cause the thing is, is that if I can't even say hi to like an ugly stranger on a park bench, then I'm going to have a really hard time saying hi and initiating conversation with somebody that I perceive as high value and somebody I potentially want to be friends with. So that exercise actually took me over two hours to do. It was really hard for me. I was very scared. Um, I like literally felt like I was going to throw up the entire time. But I did it in that first day. And after I did those 10 approaches, I thought back and said, you know, that wasn't so hard. So I continued doing that for an entire week. And suddenly, you know, it became really easy. I was able to knock those 10 highs out within five minutes of me walking out the door. So then after I did that step, then I went on to step two, step three, step four, step five. And I I still continue how to do all of those things. I'm still an insecure person when it comes down to it. I'm still a shy person when it comes down to it. But I have a whole tool belt of tools to help me overcome that on a daily basis so that it doesn't feel like I'm shy and it doesn't feel like I'm insecure. It feels like I'm pretty confident actually.
0: This is awesome. You mentioned so your first mini step was eye contact or saying hi to ten I mean sorry, your first mini step was saying hi to ten people. Saying hi. Yeah. It
1: wasn't even making eye contact. Honestly, it wasn't even about making eye contact. It was looking up for a second, saying hi, and then like running away. <laughs> that was the first step for me to do. And that was really hard to do. The second step was for me to to actually make eye contact with somebody and hold that eye contact while I said hi. Third step was for me to ask an open-ended question. So, D, uh, how's your day going today? Um, uh, like I would ask an opinion opener or things that would that would uh, give people an opportunity to give me more than a yes or no answer or a yes or no response back to my question. And then the next exercise was me was for me to hold eye contact while they were giving their responses. And then I just built it up from there. Other exercises that I've done as well are, you know, things that play around with my body language, because I wanted to see how I felt walking a certain way and I wanted to see how I was perceived walking a certain way. So playing around with the way that I was walking, playing around with the way that I was standing, playing around with uh, where my hands were and that, that gave me an opportunity to feel something different in my body and see what a different, um, body movement will do for me similar to that exercise i told you from amy cuddy like if you do stand a certain way it can actually make you feel something like your body language can dictate how you're feeling So you've heard that before, right?
0: Absolutely. The close correlation between your physiology and your emotions.
1: Yeah, exactly. So if you have a smile on your face and you keep having a smile, like your body is going to follow suit. Your body's like, okay, well, I'm happy. So that's exactly what I, I, I did. I held my body language in different ways to see how I would actually feel. I would even do negative body language to see how people would perceive me if I had negative body language. And then I would switch it up on them so that I would suddenly have positive body language and see how their body language followed suit depending on what I was showing to them.
0: Oh, this is excellent. I mean, there's a lot of elements of CBT, it sounds like. What's CBT? Cognitive behavioral therapy. Essentially, it's very similar. You break things up into small steps and you constantly check in and essentially you're building, you called them little steps, but they're you're connectors. building little bricks. Yeah, connectors, building your yourself up one brick at a time. Same type of idea, but yeah. it's really... Quite good. It made me think of another story too of a friend of mine. Uh, his name's Eric Kapaj. He writes for for the New York Times. And one day I was walking through the Times with him, and he showed me this picture of JFK. He was saying how John F. Kennedy was good with women. Which doesn't surprise me. Right. <laughs> and uh, well, well before he was president, he was like a young man. Uh, there's a story where one of his buddies said, "Well, you're just." you're just, you just do well with women because you're a Kennedy. And he goes, no, I don't. You could be me for today. We're going to go out to this party. Just tell everyone you're me and I'll be you. And it's going to end up the same way. According to the story, that's exactly what happened. But it, it kind of exemplifies kind of what you're talking about that so much of our communication is what we're feeling and what we give off and people respond to that.
1: For sure. Well, especially women, you have to remember that women feel right. So they, they, you know, it's not about what you're saying. It's about how you're actually saying something that they can, they can get a sense of who you are. It's how they're, that's how they actually evaluate you, whether you're good or you're bad or you're attractive or you're not attractive. Like if I see a man from across the room, I can feel him. I can feel his character. I can feel his strength. I can feel his confidence. If he's a man who is standing with his arms crossed, head down, uh, you know, biting his nails, legs crossed, whatever, he's totally blocking off of his body, I'm going to feel him in a certain way. and I'm going to feel him as uncomfortable, as creepy, and somebody that I don't really want to be around. So I'm going to do all that I can to protect myself from that guy, whether it be giving the help me eyes to my girlfriends or steering clear of him completely. But if I see another man who walks in the room, puts his arm on other people's shoulders, says hi, um, has a big, maybe not a huge smile, but has like a good smirk on his face, walks confidently with big strides, has open body language, that's somebody who I'm going to perceive as high value and I'm going to want to be around him. So, you know, all of these things like really matter to women because as I said before, we. Feel you, and we need to feel that you're not creepy, and that you're somebody who has extremely high value, and is not going to potentially hurt us.
0: That's such a great point because I know a lot of the listeners—they're guys who are in technical fields, engineers, programmers, uh, attorneys—but they're guys who a lot of them are not in super social professions Uh, if you're a bartender and you most bartenders are get pretty good at socializing because they have to socialize all the time but if you're you're programming or you're you're in graduate school and you're doing a lot of reading you just don't get the same type of practice socializing and so
1: oh absolutely i can say the same thing for myself right i i work out of my home i work in a box if i if i chose to i wouldn't have to interact with anybody for days on end if I didn't want to. Uh, same thing for programmers or people who are m- in a more technical space, because that's who I work with as well. People who are, you know, major left brainers um, and who who really keep to themselves. But you don't have to. So for me, I force myself to go out every single day. I still do the exercise where I say hi to people, where I still ask questions, where I'm standing in line at a coffee place and I'll engage in conversation just to keep my social muscles working. Because if I have no exercise in my social muscles. And then suddenly I am out somewhere and I do have to talk to somebody. It's like I get tongue tied because I haven't been practicing talking to other individuals. I haven't been warmed up yet. And so if it is somebody of importance that I do want to talk to, then I could present myself in a way that isn't really a good representation of myself and fall flat on my face. So to keep my social muscles working, I do get outside of my house. I do engage in conversation. And for those guys who are listening Like, well, you know, when I'm a programmer, I don't really have time to interact or I don't really want to. I would say for them to take at least a half an hour to an hour out of their day every single day to, it's the summertime now. So to go walk somewhere, either a coffee shop or go to the grocery store and just practice engaging uh, in conversation with people. So either the person behind the cash register or somebody who's in the same aisle as you buying Captain Crunch, whatever it is, like start working those social muscles. And there's this thing that I use, uh, it's called OSA, and it's my method for having conversation. So it, it, it's it's a quick way to break into conversation with individuals so that you don't appear creepy. Um, and it's it's observation, share, and ask a question, and I have um, a video of it on my website about how to actually do that exercise. And it's the most like non-intrusive way of breaking into conversation, and really puts you in the driver's seat, so that you present yourself as the evaluator and selector rather than as the one who wants to um, uh, figure out how to sneak sneakily i don't even know if that's a word uh, break into conversation with this woman it's something that presents you as high value uh, and and can make you appear extremely com- confident and comfortable
0: you said it's with your observation share and what was the last one
1: and ask and ask a question
0: ask, can you walk us through a situation where somebody would use this like uh, some specific examples of kind of what they might say
1: Oh yeah, you would use it all the time. Like for example, okay, so making an observation. So an observation about the person, the world around you, um or about what is actually going on. So if you're at the grocery store and you look over and somebody's picking up Captain Crunch and you go, "Oh, that's my favorite cereal." Love this. So you're making an observation, right? So the observation is she has your favorite cereal in her hand. That is my favorite cereal. I love I love uh, Captain Crunch, okay? Then you go into share, right? So sharing something about Captain Crunch or about how it makes you feel, what it makes you think, what it reminds you of. So for me, I would say, the only thing I don't like about Captain Crunch is that if you don't wait long enough for the milk to settle in, it literally like cuts the top of your mouth because it's so razor sharp, like it, it should be uh, used as a weapon. It like literally shreds the top of your mouth. And then you go into asking a question. So you ask an open-ended question, right? So you could go into, um, not, my God, my brain is not working this morning. This is no good. I was going to say, is that your favorite type of cereal? But that's the yes or no question. But anyway, you see what I'm saying. So positioning it as a more open-ended question afterwards, I can get her to speak back to you. Because then you're not like trying to break into her world, you're inviting her into yours and seeing if she can hang with you. Because I know a lot of guys, what they do is they approach women and they bombard them with question after question after question because they're trying to find like some key conversation topic that will get them to open up. But. Instead of trying to get a woman to open up, I tell men to lead by example and open up first themselves. So that's what OSA represents. It's a way for them to open up where they're not, um, attempting to break into her world in like a creepy way. It's really presenting themselves as a cool, confident guy who can speak to anybody, uh, who's then saying, all right, if you want to jump in my world, you can, if you don't, you don't have to.
0: Yeah, no, this is great. The first kind of question I thought, as you told me that example, is something like Craft and Crunch versus Fruit Loops and why. Oh, yeah, or, exactly. Or something like that. Or even, this is a, a little bit more, ask for a little bit more investment and you'd have to pay attention to her. But I have a question. If you were going to add anything in a cereal, what would you add and why? Um, um, but something to get, essentially what you're talking about is just getting her talking.
1: Exactly. That's the whole, that's the whole thing. And the thing, the thing that a lot of guys forget is that, you know, <laughs> it, you, you don't need permission to talk to somebody. You can approach any person that you want to. And I think that a lot of guys put this vibe out there of like me, like me, like me, like me, like me, like me, but they don't really give anything to the woman that they may possibly like. So for the guys who are listening now, you have to remember that this woman has to present herself as well to you. You're awesome. You're listening to this podcast, which means you're a man who's trying to up his value and better himself. Right? So that, that deserves a huge pat on the back and huge recognition for yourself as a man of value because most people don't work on bettering themselves and making themselves a better version of themselves. So, um, women are not there for you to please. It, it, it goes both ways. You get to select the women that you want in your life as well. And I think OSA is a really great way to break into conversation with a woman so that you give her opportunity to see what you're about and who you are. And you also present her with the option of giving her space to express herself so then you can say, okay, you're cool, I can hang with you. Um, Cause a lot of women, if they don't respond back to what you're saying, when you're being totally open, then they're not so cool. They're not on the same wavelength as you. Uh, and they're not people who you should be investing More into.
0: There's so many just great ideas here. I mean, you you talked a little bit about kind of leading emotionally, and in in a lot of ways, from the time you walk into a room to smiling to you mentioned strides and and your movement and having open body language and even using open ended questions. Uh, But I I think one of the mistakes a lot of guys are listening to this make is they try to change the way women think as opposed to leading the way that they feel. And that's something that we've kind of skirted around, but. I feel like it's such a important idea that really it's what we've been talking about through kind of most of most of this conversation. You talked a little bit about kind of developing this idea of confidence, really, which and the right mentality. Because there's a definitely a balance here where I think I think you're 100 percent right. A lot of the guys who are listening to this uh, often when they first approach or just men in general, and they ha- And there's a lot of men who happen to be listening to this, they approach a woman for the first time and they think, oh, I'm trying to get something from her, but they don't realize that the woman is actually getting something back. And and oftentimes, it's something incredibly valuable, which leads into inner game, right? Yeah. This idea of cultivating inner game. Can you talk a little bit about this idea and why it's important?
1: Why inner game is important? Well, I really believe that if you know, you have to turn yourself on before you can ever turn anybody else on. And that's not like a, you know, about masturbating or anything. I'm literally saying you have to like yourself because if you don't like yourself, then how can you expect others to? It's what you, it's what you project out there. So if you're walking around the world thinking nobody likes me, my outfit is horrible. I'm so uncomfortable in what I'm wearing. That's what the, the world is going to take away from you. You know, unless there's somebody out there who's like, okay, well, I see that I see that this person is really uncomfortable. I'm gonna work really hard. I'm making them comfortable. Um, but that's not gonna be a woman who's going to be attracted to you. She's going to to be like a caregiver for you and see you as a friend. Um, it, there's so much that I can say about this. It's like a whole different <laughs> podcast topic. But it, the way that you feel about yourself and think about yourself is extremely important not just to others, but to yourself, you know, because If you feel positively about yourself, then you can achieve anything that you want to. If you perceive yourself as being unattractive or uh, non-sophisticated or unintelligent, then you're never going to achieve anything because you won't go after what you want. You won't take risks. You won't put yourself out there. Uh, And also, if you perceive yourself that way, then others are actually going to follow suit and perceive you exactly how you see yourself.
0: Marnie, I'm kind of running out of time, but speaking with you has been absolutely incredible. You have some wonderful ideas. So so, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: And if you're listening, you want to learn more about Marnie, her products, her programs, her coaching, we're going to put some links in the Craft Charisma website and within the description of this podcast so you can reach her more easily and learn more about her.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: It's dating coach Chris Lona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and kind of communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.